Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me to Matthew chapter 13. I think I'll start there. I know that doesn't put a lot of confidence from you to me. The pastor doesn't even know what he's going to talk about this morning. He thinks he's going to go to Matthew chapter 13. But hey, I'm just remaining sensitive to the Spirit of God. And there's something happening at Anchor Faith. There's something happening in this community. There's something happening and stirring among God's people. And I'm not going to act like I've got all the answers and I've got the formula. I might walk up to this podium and just get completely redirected. And I, I do have another passage on the backside, and if it goes there, it goes there, but we'll just see what the Lord wants to do. Matthew chapter 13, you might know of this as the parable of the sower. It's kind of the, the introduction or beginning to a series of parables that Jesus gives. And ultimately, he says this, that when he's given these parables or he's speaking in these parables, ultimately his goal is to reveal to you the kingdom of God. Parables, and when Jesus speaks and when Jesus gives his word, and anytime we hear the word of God, it's for the the purpose of revelation. You weren't designed to live off of merely information. Man's tried to do that. We've tried to limit God to information if we could just know a thing or increase in a thing or study a thing. But the revelation of God doesn't come from a a learning and discerning mind. The revelation of God comes from a sensitive and open heart and spirit that's connected with his spirit. Revelation doesn't come to your head. Revelation doesn't come to your mental capacity. Revelation doesn't come to your soul realm. Revelation comes to your spirit man on the inside of you. And that's where God desires to connect more so. He doesn't want you just to have a simple uh, intellectual experience with him. He doesn't want you to have merely an emotional experience with him. We can come in here and boohoo and cry and dance and shout and run and, and hoot and holler or, or get prostate on the ground. We could do all those things, but unless the Spirit of God has engaged your spirit, true transformation hasn't come to you. It's by the revelation power of God. And in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in the opening of the chapter, he opens up with the parable of the sower. There was some seed that fell on stony ground, fell on the wayside. There's some seed that fell among thorns. They've some seed that fell among ground, but it was quickly choked out. There was some seed that when it began to, to take root and began to, to show some increases, show some growth, it, it got you know burned up by the sun. And then there was seed that fell on Good soil. Everyone say good soil. The good soil produces the good fruit. They ought to call it the parable of the soil. If I could rename it, I would rename it the parable of the soil. But they didn't ask me for my revisions. They didn't ask me to send in my edits. But I would call it the parable of the soil because in all four instances, it's the same sower and it's the same seed. But we have four different kinds of soil or lay under territory that the seed falls on. Gives me an indication that there's something up with this soil. There's something important 
about this soil. And he breaks it down. He starts in verse 10, and he begins to break it down. It says that the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? I find it interesting that his disciples use the word them. You know, if we're talking about differences of soil, they recognize that there's differences of company. Why do you speak to them? They immediately draw a line between there's an us and there's a them. There's something that you do differently with them than what you are doing or have done with us. Why is it that you speak to them in such a way? Why is it that you're speaking to them with these stories or these revelatory, um, um, these parables weren't just really stories that Jesus told, but there was a hidden truth or a hidden element to it. That there's not something that Jesus is trying to hide for the sake of keeping it from them, but that there is something that he hasn't quite released to them like he did to us. Why do you speak to them in parables? Verse 11, and he answered and said to them, the disciples, because it has been given to you. Everyone say given. It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Mysteries. You know, when we think of a mystery, I, I think of something that needs to be solved. When I think of a mystery, I, I think of something where the answer or the solution or the end goal is not just lying on the surface for anyone just to come by and pick up. When I think of a mystery, if you think of a mystery, you're, you're, you're thinking of something that we've got to dig to find the answer. We're going to have to be a little investigative in this manner. We're going to have to do a little hunting, a little digging, a little fishing a little going beneath the surface. I think one of the great things that is hurting the church uh, uh, in, in, in our day and age today, not, not this church particularly, but just the church in general, is we're putting stuff on the surface that is meant to be hidden. We're trying to give away things, trying to make things attractive, and trying to make things appealing that people ought to have to show some interest in and some buy-in in, and, and some investigating uh, uh, response on the inside. And even Jesus says, I can't lay pearls before swine. I can't just leave the good stuff just sitting around for just anybody to come by and get it because the problem is, is they'll get trampled on. The problem is, is we'll lose value for the message rather than putting something in the individual to say, hey, I want to go after that. I need that. I need to find out what this is all about. And we're trying to leave things on the surface that just won't be valued until someone's got to do some searching. Someone's got to do some digging. Someone's got to dig a little deeper. Look at your neighbor say, dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper. It says, it has been given to you to know the mysteries it's been given to you to know the mysteries. It's been given because you've done something to reciprocate the giving. 
You've, you've done something to show interest. You've done something to show some buy-in. You've done something on the us side that the them side hasn't done yet. And if them would do what us did, then we would get the what has been given in return. That might not be perfect grammatical English, but you know what I'm saying. It makes sense. It makes sense. It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, notice that Jesus solidifies the us and the them. He doesn't say, oh, no, 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 we're all unified. There's no us and them. We're all one. Notice he, 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 he responds with, you're absolutely right that there's a line in the sand. You're absolutely right that there's an us and a them. You're absolutely right that I can't give to them what has been given to you. You're absolutely right that there is a manner in which I have to minister and talk to them that is different or distinguishable from how I've ministered and talked to you. you know, sometimes we, we want to unify where we can't unify. Sometimes in, in our desire to make one and to bring together, we, we compromise things in the, for the sake of unity. And Jesus was unwilling to compromise things for the sake of unity. Now, he definitely said, may they be one as you and I are one. But notice that Jesus also said, you and I are one because I do what the Father says. I go where the Father says to go. I say what the Father says to say. I do what the Father says to do. There was a oneness in mission. There was a oneness in heart. There was a oneness in attitude. There was a oneness in, mission, in ministry and activity. There was a oneness in what the Father had a heart for, Jesus had a heart for, and the things that were, uh, 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 you know, uh, not of God, then Jesus didn't have anything to do. There was a oneness there. Unity doesn't mean I compromise my values and compromise what I believe and compromise what I know just so we can get along. That's not unity. I, I tell people this all the time. I can only unify as far as the word will let me. If we aren't unified on this, then I'm, I'm, I'm afraid unity might not be possible. And I can tell you right now, the greatest strand of unity is when the word's involved. That's the kind of unity you want. That's the kind of brotherhood you want where we agree on the word, where we align on the word, and we are able to sacrifice my opinions, sacrifice my ideas, sacrifice my conclusions. I mean, I am always willing to sit down and discuss the word, and if you can show me a different way, I will absolutely alter if I can see it in the word of God. I've had to do that over the years. I'm not married to any of my beliefs. I'm not married to anything, to an experience, to what my mom taught me, to what my pastor taught me, to what my, I, I, I have sat in rooms with my own pastor. They said, pastor, I, I, I'm, I'm, this is something I'm seeing. You got to help me here. You got to be a lover of the word. You got to be a lover of the word of God. A lover of the word so much so that I do not want to miss this. I don't want to believe something just for the sake of saying I believe it. 
We tell you all the time, don't walk out of here and say, this is what Pastor Mark says, and this is what they preach at Anchor Faith Church. No, you need to know the word for yourself. This is what the word says. You'll never conquer a devil in hell with what Pastor Mark tells you, with what Anchor Faith Church preaches, with what podcast so-and-so and evangelists here and there. No, you need to know the word for you. You need to get in the scripture and dig deep. That Berean church, they heard the word and then they went back and they searched the scriptures. And they weren't searching the scriptures with an attitude of, you're going to have to show me that in the word. You've already blown it. It's a teachable heart. Says, I received that word. Now I need to know it for myself. Man, I want to hook up with that. Let me see it in Scripture. Let me study it out. Let me get grounded and found it for myself. You remember what those, uh, those, those seven sons of Sceva, what happened to those boys? Went up in there in the, in the G, in name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And you don't want to have secondhand knowledge of the kingdom of God. You want to know it firsthand. You want to know it for yourself. And the devil ain't afraid of nothing that you believe because so-and-so believed it. I don't care how, how, how dedicated grandma was. I don't care how anointed pastor so-and-so was. I don't care how big of a platform evangelist so-and-so has or how big of a podcast following, how many Facebook followers, Instagram followers, how many people are lining up outside their building. You better know the word of God for yourself because the devil is not impressed and the devil's not intimidated either. It's only the word that will send him fleeing. And it's one word from God that he has to bow to, he has to submit to, and he has to flee from. One word. We got to know the word. He says, there's an us and a them. And it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them, it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That's a hard saying, especially from, from Jesus the shepherd, right? From Jesus the one that loves the little children. From Jesus the one that came to give his life for you and came to die on a cross for you. But notice that even Jesus wasn't willing to break certain barriers or certain boundaries or, or, or certain um, um, levels for you to come into the kingdom of God and for you to come to knowledge. He said, if you don't have, even what you have will be taken. How can something be taken from someone that doesn't have anything? What he's saying here is for those that don't have the knowledge, those that don't have an attitude of wanting to search the depths and go deeper and have that buy-in and have that interest, even what they have will be taken from them, meaning even the knowledge that they think they have come to. Because, see, everybody thinks they've come to some knowledge. Everybody thinks that they have uh, attained something intellectually. And he says, even what you have, will be taken from you. I, I don't know about you. I want to be in the other category. The one that has more will be given. I want to find myself in the abundance category, not in the taking away what I didn't even know that I had. 
Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people, watch this, have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. What a a faint picture that he proposes here. Spoken prophetically in Isaiah. That there would be a people that will hear or have the capacity to hear but not hear. And have the capacity to see and not see. I believe that it's not what we hear, but how we hear that Jesus is speaking of. It's not just what we hear. It's not just what we put our ears to. It's not just what we give our attention to. But it's how receptive are you to it? You know, a a, a big word that's being thrown around right now in our culture is misinformation. Have y'all heard that word lately? There's a lot of misinformation regarding things. We are in an we are in an information overload in our culture today. I believe we are uh, you know drinking water from a fire hydrant sometimes through our phones and through our devices and through our screens and through other people's opinions and other people's ideas. I mean, we are in an absolute information overload as a people, as a culture. You know, some things, you remember uh, in the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and, and that was the forbidden tree. That was the forbidden fruit. Now, up to that point, would you agree with me that they knew good? Sure, they knew God. They knew his purpose. They knew his plan. They knew his assignment. They knew good. It was the evil that they didn't know. That's why they could be running around naked in a garden and not even know it. Because there was no evil perception of that. It wasn't an evil thing. You know, there are just some things in life we weren't designed to know. We weren't created to know. We weren't designed to carry that weight. And so what people don't recognize is every time you give attention or focus to something that doesn't belong in you, now you're carrying a weight you weren't designed to carry. We don't understand the weight that comes with the overload of information that we're subjecting ourselves to. 
that we're allowing. And we don't understand the burden of that. I mean, I, I, I've talked to people that, that are nice, calm, easygoing people that said in the last year and a half, they've had to push off uh, arguments, frustration, getting angry, just getting up straight up hostile to things that are, it's not even in their demeanor to get that way. It's not even their demeanor to get angry. It's not even, but, but I mean, you know, some people are ready to go to throws on some things. I'm ready to fight you. I'm ready to argue. I'm ready to debate. I'm, I mean, it's just crazy what's going on because what's happening is everything you hear is adding weight. It's compounding, and you don't know how to handle that. You don't know how to carry that. You don't know how to, to, to eliminate and put off and, and just, well, that's just what they think. We have a problem today with what somebody else thinks. We, we say, it, well, that's your opinion. Agree to disagree. We, we throw these little phrases out and these little terms out like it's okay for us to, but you know deep down on the end, it's bothering you that they don't see it the way you see it. How can you not see it? How do you not see this? It's right in front of you. How can you not? You're being manipulated. You're being twisted. And, and today people are, are so girded up in their opinions. It's unbelievable. What if we treated the word of God like we treat our opinions? What if we stood on the word of God like we stand on our opinions? We, we think our opinions are truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. We think that our opinions, information. You know, I've had conversations with, with individuals, and one thing they, they, they throw at me is, well, where did you get your medical education? Or what made you an expert on this or an expert on that? Well, you know what? We're not all experts at everything. I mean, if you are, you are welcome up here. Come take this mic and share us the wealth of knowledge that you have come to. The last time I checked, we've all got strengths and we've all got weaknesses. We've all got blind spots. We've all got things that, that we might, you know, th th there are people I'm going to go to. Like Pastor Caleb here is an expert in vehicles and auto maintenance. He knows what he's doing. And now you got to get like 10 phone calls this week of like, I got a battery issue. It's making this noise. What's noise it making? You know exactly what that noise is. I mean, you know right now he's like, yep, that's the alternator. He's an expert. So guess what? I'm not. And I don't need to learn it. I take it to the guy that knows it. That's easy. Pay him to do it. You go find the parts. Find the cheap parts. Find the, right? Because, I mean, you listen to some of these guys, you'll pay an arm and a leg, and he'll get you the same thing on Amazon for a tenth of the price. He will, this guy will help you out when it comes to vehicles. But one thing he's, he's not super admittedly uh, uh, an expert at is computers. And he comes to me because technology happens to be a strength of mine. So I don't need to be an expert. I listen to the experts. You know what I think is, is really happening today is people are just getting upset that we didn't select the same source of authority that they did. Come on. Just because I didn't make 
your doctor or your nurse or, or your podcast person or, or your person that you've exalted, the authority. I didn't make them the authority of my life like you made them the authority of your life. Because nobody's an expert at anything. Nobody's an expert at everything. We all need to rely on the source of information. And the, the information is only as good as the source. Right? That's, all, that's why we always want to find an accurate source or a trusted, reliable, dependable source. That's why you get on Facebook and you say, I'm looking for a good plumber or I'm looking for someone that can do carpentry. Why? You want people that have had an experience because you don't want to end up with a guy that can give you a bad experience? Hello? It's this issue of information and where we get the information and how dependable and reliable is the information once we've collected the information. We've got to have a different heart about this. He says, hearing you will hear and will not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. How is this so? It's because it's not what I hear and it's not what I see, but it's how I hear it and how I see it. That's ultimately what Jesus is addressing in this entire passage. And he goes on with the parable of the sower and he explains the parable of the sower and notice that he gives the explanation of the parable of the sower to the us, not to the them. He's just got done talking to a multitude of people and then he turns around with his 12 or so disciples and says, all right, I'm going to give you the explanation. I'm going to give you the mysteries. Here's the thing. Most people aren't willing to do the investment part of knowledge. Most people aren't willing to do what it takes, but these disciples did. See, it's one thing to be a part of the crowd that shows up when they hear the miracle workers in town. It's one thing to just show up and, and follow Jesus on the side of a mountain just to hear him preach and teach. Because he was an amazing preacher and an amazing teacher. They said, man, I mean, wh where does this man get this knowledge? Where does this man gain this understanding? Where does this man, uh, how does he uh, uh, have these concepts? I mean, the way he teaches is just amazing. It's just astounding. How does he do this? It's, it's one thing to follow Jesus because he's walking on water and he's raising the dead and he's healing the sick. But it's another to follow Jesus in the trenches. It's another to follow Jesus day in and day out. It's another to follow Jesus and leave home, leave mother, leave father, leave job, leave familiarity, leave comfort. And is that not what these disciples did? He just, he just shows up in the middle of their routine life and says, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And they abandon all. Leave all to follow him. What is it that makes us worthy of receiving the mysteries of the kingdom of God? It's the search. It's the search. It's the investment. It's what you're willing to do. Do you hear with an ear of I want to learn and discover or do you hear with an ear? I, I, I think a lot of Christians today are just hoping to hear a word that aligns with what they already believe. And that's exactly who he is talking about. 
Are you just going to confirm the conclusions I've already come to? Are you just going to say stuff that already is agreeable with what I already know? Or can I be challenged today? In these last days of information, we, we have created a rejection of information that doesn't agree or align with, what the, with the conclusion we've already come to. It, it's a dangerous place to be to come to a conclusion before you've even started. I mean, could we all just be honest and say we're on a search? We're on a journey. And even what I have learned and, and um, attained to at this point, even what I have uh, grown to believe and grown to see at this point, could we all just say that, that, I mean, be like Paul. All that I've accomplished thus far means nothing. I continue to press on toward the mark of the high calling, forgetting those things that lie behind. And he wasn't just talking about sin and filthiness and, 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 and the rags of my, righteous, my self-righteousness and, and how I lived a, a, against the plan of God. He's talking about his accomplishments, his victories, uh, what he's gr- grown to know, what he's grown to discover. And he says, I count that as loss. I'm pressing on toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm always advancing and always moving forward in the things of God. And when it comes to this information, when it comes to what we know and what we learn and what we discover, Jesus is assigning a a very deep but basic principle that if you want to know more, you've got to give more. It's not what I hear, but it's how I hear. To you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To you, it has been given to know the the mysteries, what seems hidden. Here's the thing about hiding something. It's not hidden to keep it from you. It's hidden to reveal how badly do you want it. What will you sacrifice to get it? What will you lay down to go after? We talked about last week that I cannot receive what God has until I release what God asks. We said it last week that many people want to go further with God, but they don't want to abandon or let go of things that he's asking us to eliminate along the way. And if we could understand that eliminating and letting go is just as much of the process as gaining and growing and advancing, we would all be a lot better off. We would all be a lot better off, but but we have created a Christian culture that maximizes what I get from God and minimizes what I let go for God. The life of a disciple was one where they would ultimately lay down even their very own lives for the cause and mission of Christ. They would lay down and abandon even their own comfort, even their own familiarity. They would lay down all, bear all, do everything. I mean, they were thrown in prisons. They endured great torture. Persecutions, I mean, most of us couldn't even handle it if people talked bad about us. Behind our backs. Much less in public, on Facebook. What if somebody just straight up called you out in public, on the internet, for all the world to see? Or you could even do like what happened to Paul. 
they, he would go into a town and a community and he would preach and share the gospel and there'd be people coming right behind him and undo everything he just did. I mean, that right there is enough to make some people quit and bow out. Much less the physical torment and the physical struggles. I mean, Paul, on two separate occasions in the book of Acts and uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he lays out the struggles and the things that he endured for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the ministry. In the book of Acts, he said, and then there's this, the daily burden of the churches, the daily care of the churches for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the ministry. And this is the Paul that was the Pharisee of Pharisees. Why is that important? Because the Pharisees were the learned ones. The Pharisees were the ones that built their ministries and built their platforms off of knowledge and information. How much I know, how good I look on the outside, the external. And Paul, he said, I was a Pharisee of. I mean, if you're looking for a resume, I've got the resume. But then he weighs his resume of becoming a Pharisee with the resume of becoming a disciple, all the, the, the shipwrecks, all the beatings, all the tortures, even left for dead once, being stoned, imprisoned, being abandoned by his friends, being abandoned by outsiders, uh, even having those closest to him. I mean, at one time uh, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes, Send me Timothy. He's the only one that is like-minded. You'd say, I mean, how horrible of a leader was Paul? What kind of ministry is he running that the only one he can get in his corner is little Timothy? Down there in Ephesus. But that is what it takes to go and to grow and to advance in the things of God. And in these last days, there's more opposition against the word than, than, I mean, it's coming. It's coming. I mean, in our world today, up is down and down is up. And we no longer just merely allow, tolerate, or accommodate sin. We celebrate it and we put it on a, and then we protect it. It's crazy. And now you're the bad guy because you don't celebrate and you don't rejoice with and you don't, uh, uh, you know, allow and, and, and have uh, uh, this, this presence of welcoming in. And, and now we are the ones, you know, cutting people off. And, and I mean, the, the, it's amazing the things that are happening. And Christians left and right, churches left and right, getting sunk into this. May it never be. It cannot be. We need some people that will stand up for truth. We will need, so we need some people, as we've heard lately, need to hold the line on the truth of the word of God. Recognize that there's an us and a them. And if I'm not willing to put the work and the investment in, then why would I expect to go deeper in the things of God? Why would I expect him to use me in the last day revival, the last day movement that he's outpouring on this earth? You go look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. 
You know, before God does a work through us, he wants to do a work in us. If we could understand that concept. What is God trying to do in us? What is he speaking to you internally? Some of us, we, 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 we get so quick to tell other people what God is saying. But are we listening to what God's telling us? You know, when I was growing up in the, in the circles I ran with, it was always, I believe God's given me a word for you. I believe God's given me a word for you. God's given me, I, I've got a word for you. And then we ran around seeking words. Like, did God tell you anything about me today? We did. And we exalted man. And we exalted platforms. And we exalted titles above. You've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He can talk directly to you. And I'm not living my life at the, the mercy of what someone told someone else. And I don't have to run from conference to conference and prophet to prophet and evangelist to evangelist and go from this pastor to that pastor to this teacher to this. I, I could get the word of God from the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of me. Get the download. I thank God that he uses men and women of God to speak to us and direct us and give us on course. But, but this is what I've understood. When I am uh, speaking to someone typically, most of the time, if I get a word for somebody, I let them know this. I'm the second one to tell you. Because anything that he's showing me ought to be merely confirming what he's already shown you. That's a word for somebody here today. Because I am not the authority. The only reason I can give you a word from God is because the Holy Spirit revealed it to me and then directed me to give it to you. But guess what? That same Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he's already probably been prompting it. He's already probably been showing you and now he just brought me along to help confirm it because he loves you that much that he doesn't want you to think, oh, that's just me. That's just my head. That's just something I've wanted to do. But man, when somebody shows up in your life that doesn't know you from Adam and says, God's saying, you're going to do this, you're going to become this, you're going to go here, you're going to let, and then all of a sudden on the inside, the light bulb goes off, it's like, that must be God. That's not my, that's not my idea, that's not my brain, I didn't have bad pizza last night, I, that is what God is speaking to me on the inside, because God loves to confirm stuff. Let every word be confirmed by two or three witnesses. God doesn't want you living out there all by yourself wondering and hoping and guessing that he's speaking to you. He wants you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, I'm speaking to you. I'm directing your life. And he loves you so much, he'll bring someone like me or a brother or sister that you can trust in the faith. Or he'll bring along a man or woman of God to confirm and solidify something so you can get off and run with it the way he's called you to do it. That's how God moves. That's how God operates. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, I want to read this out of the, the CSB. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began, everyone say began, began to do and teach. He, this is Luke, the author of the book Luke, 
And he's referring to that book, the first writing that I gave you, the writing of Luke, to show you what Jesus began. Did you know that Jesus was just getting something started? Jesus' mission did not end with his ministry. Jesus' mission did not end with his ministry. See, this is why I'm talking about not what we hear, but how we hear it. Because if we read the Bible and hear preaching with this idea um, that it's preparing us for heaven or just simply here to get you ready to transition and leave this planet, then we're, we're going to miss it. See, everybody's got a lens. Everybody's got a filter. Everybody's got a perspective. And somehow as a pastor, I'm supposed to get up here and I'm supposed to minister to everyone through every lens that you have. And this is what I know. This is what I know as a pastor when I'm preaching. It's never what I say. It's what you hear. We have Baptist lenses. We have religious lenses. We have abuse lenses. Well, someone that was abused by their dad and I start talking about Father God, that's not going to go over real well. There's all kinds of lenses that we build up over time. And the lens filters what the Word of God says. Now, the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Word never changes. But guess what is not the, the same yesterday, today, and forever? Our lenses. They are not the same yesterday, today, and forever. They change over time and ought to. I want to come in this building every weekend, every Wednesday night, every opportunity that we have with God, remove my lens. Help me see through. Help me filter out the garbage that, that I want to perceive this through and process this through. And I want to receive this for what it truly is. But we've built up these lenses over time. And, 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 and some of the lenses were built right in places like this. And on one row, every single person on that row can have a different lens through which you're receiving and perceiving what I'm saying. And we just learned that it's not what you hear, but it's how you hear. So apparently this is a big deal. And preaching the Bible as if it's, it's something that is getting, it, it's a hope for eternity. Yes, it, it's a hope that when I transition, but, but there is more in this. You know what? I, I actually, I saw this on a billboard. I think it was a billboard. Might have been a bumper sticker. Probably makes a good bumper sticker. Probably is a bumper sticker. It said B-I-B-L-E, Bible. It said, um, what, what did it say now? Here it is. You've probably seen it. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Makes a great billboard. Makes a great bumper sticker. But doesn't make for a great Christian. Because already you've got my brain thinking when I leave. When I, I mean, again, we, we ask the question, don't we? If you died 
today. Somebody, some of y'all had the hell scared out of you. And that's the only reason you came into the kingdom. <laughs> I've been to a few of those fire, hell, and brimstone services. And they're not fun to sit through. You made Jesus Lord of your life because you felt you didn't have a choice. I mean, they're, they're worse than telemarketers. Like, what are you going to sell next? A timeshare? I mean, what, you know, what comes out? What comes, I mean, they will stiff farm you. They will, they'll give you every trick in the book to what? Move you to a decision. The Holy Spirit is great at moving people. If we could just trust what the Word of God says, if we could just trust what the Holy Spirit does, we wouldn't have to come up with gimmicks and tricks and, and, and all the stuff to try to lure and, and make it appealing or make it so fearful of what happens if they don't make this decision. And just let the Word be the Word of God. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Continuing on here in verse 2, until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit. Look at that. It says, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about what? The kingdom of God. So he's given instructions by the Holy Spirit, and it says that he is speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Look at verse 6. This is so funny. After he has given them instructions by the Holy Spirit, after he has spent 40 days with them uh, uh, with many infallible, convincing proofs, many things that are undeniable, unmistakable, he's speaking to them about the kingdom of God. Verse 6 says, and when they had come together, they, those disciples again, asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And I believe this is the question where Jesus said, I've had enough. Because three verses later, it says he ascends to heaven. He said, I've been with you three and a half years. You still ain't got the message. You still haven't seen my mission. You still aren't locked in on what I'm trying to get. You're just going to, I'm going to leave that to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, they're all yours. That's exactly what he's saying right here. Because they have once again relegated his spiritual kingdom to a natural political party movement. After special instruction by the Holy Spirit, after convincing infallible, unmistakable proofs, after speaking to them about the kingdom of God, after spending 40 intimate days with them once he came back to life, after all this, they still are asking, so, uh, so, so when we overthrow Rome, 
we going out tomorrow, or do we need swords and clubs? I mean, how, how are we doing this? <laughs> but we do the same thing. Still got the same lens. Still got some stuff we got to remove. And again, what is the very first thing he says in verse 7? He said to them, underline it, it is not for you to know. In the age where we all want to be in the know, in the age where we think information is the answer, in the age where we think if I could just know what God is up to, if I could just know what God is doing, if I could just have some, I just need a little more, I promise this is the last last piece of information I'll ask for. I promise the last thing I need to know. I just, I gotta know, I gotta know, I gotta know. And he says, it is not for you to know. The times or periods that the Father has set by whose own authority? His. I mean, does knowing it really change anything? Is what he's saying. That's in his authority. That's what he's he's in charge of. And then in verse 8, but you will receive power. No, Jesus, I want knowledge, right? Knowledge is power. No, he says, you will receive power when who? The Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. No, what he's saying is, is you need to get hooked up with the revealer of truth. What Jesus is saying is, There are some things that you just won't know until they're revealed. There are some things you won't have a clue as to what's happening until the Holy Spirit gets engaged and gets involved in the process. And listen to this. Even Jesus being present with them wasn't enough. Did you see that? I mean, Jesus at one time looked at his disciples and says, I got many more things to share, but you can't handle them. And then in the very next verse, he says, but he, the spirit of truth, but he, the spirit of truth. See, this is, I I mean, I I, I, I don't want to overburden and I don't want to keep coming back to it and, and, and make it more than what it is. But at the end of the day, if we aren't giving credence to the value and purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives, you can forget all the information you could gather won't be the answer. You need some revelation by the Holy Spirit. Worship team, if you come, we need the revelation of the Holy Spirit. There are just simply going to be situations you will not be able to handle with information, with opinion, with idea, with collecting data, with having statistics, you are just merely going to need the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you by the revelation power of the Holy Spirit. We need a revealer of truth. We need a spirit of truth. If there's a spirit of truth, then I think it would stand to reason that there's a spirit of lies. Spirit of inaccuracy. 
a spirit of misinformation. You want to talk about misinformation. You will not surely die. And we've even talked about this recently in our services. That what is going to look wise and helpful and the right thing to do won't be the wrong thing to do. We're coming into days where, like I said, up is down and down is up. And you will look like the dumb one, the outsider, the ignorant one. What knowledge do you have to speak on this subject? Are you an expert in this manner? I heard someone say one time, if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll make you look smart. Can we listen to the Spirit of God? Can we give credence and value that Holy Spirit, unless you are evident, working, moving, and invited into my life, there's just things I'm not going to come to know on my own. I don't want to be a collector of information in these last days. I want to be one that is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because even after all the speaking to them about the kingdom of God, even seeing signs. I mean, was, you know, we, 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 we apply value to things where it's misapplied. Miracles, signs, and wonders don't change people's lives. They just reveal who God is. Teaching and preaching. We say this all the time. It's not the word that, that you hear, but it's the word that you do that changes your life. We say things like one word from God can change your life forever. But there are believers sitting under the word of God week in and week out. And their lives are no different because it was just information collected and put on the heap of data that they've already built up in their lives. And it does not have the revelation value to transform their life. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.